everybody, welcome to a special edition of Fred's Friends, this new series that I'm doing on uh, my friends and what they're up to and some of the cool stuff that's going on. I'm here with my very good friend, Caleb Kilburn. How are you, sir? Cheers, my friend. Listen, well, you're also the youngest master to still learn the game, and you're doing great work here at Peerless, sweet mash city, as yes. I like to say. What have you been up to? Well, it's uh, it's been a crazy year so far. Uh, we have uh, uh, traditionally had kind of a little bit of a lull uh, going to going into OND, and then it's a little uh, slow when we start the year. That's the way it has been in years past, and so uh, we usually take some downtime and do some maintenance and things like that. But this year has actually just blown us away, mm. uh, where we were used to getting a little bit of slack, a little bit of time uh, to be able to. Uh, uh, do different services, send people out, people get to take vacations, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. We have just been swamped with orders. Uh, it, it, it's online, a great problem to have. And online sales just really opened up for you all. Yeah, excited to see how that develops. Yeah. Uh, but as of right now, just the demand within our traditional pipelines, the uh, the old school way of selling whiskey mm -hmm. is blowing up for us. And it's uh, it's amazing. This morning, I actually just got back from a little brief vacation. And while I was gone, everything got turned on sin. We've got more barrels to dump. We've got a batch that I've got to get together by tomorrow morning. I mean, it's, it's kind of depressing when you get back from vacation. I mean, listen, I know you love your job. I love yeah. my job. But you get back from vacation, you're like, ah, I don't want to work. You know, it's not the, uh, I would say that, but for the fact that during the vacation, I was, hey, what's going on? Hey, what do we need to do? Okay, that's coming down the pipeline. So I, I, I don't are you know afraid, if I, Are you afraid like someone's going to screw up while you're gone? No, no. I'd you're just, totally afraid. That's why you were checking in. It's not a anyone else screw up thing. It's just I, I, I'm very much a control freak, uh, which is one of my downfalls. Mm. I, I, uh, I trust people. I'm just bad at delegating. So I want to be in I the room for that. everything. I suck at delegating too. That was the one thing that I had going for me in the army uh -huh. is that when you delegated, no one could like say no to you because you were, we were like over them. Okay. And like, there's like, it's like literally against the law to, to disobey your superior in the military. And you get out in the civilian world, you tell someone to do something and they're like, well, what about this? Like, no, no, no. That's, that's, that's not how this works. I yeah. gave you very implicit instructions. Yeah. So, I mean, you might've been, you I mean, you could have been really good in the army, you know, huh? who knows? Or Marines. You strike me more as a Marine than army. I'll take any of that as a high compliment. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, you'd have been a good you'd have been a good service person. So you've got a whole thing going on. Like this, yes. I'm really excited about this because this is the first time this is the first time you've showed this. Well, it, it was this just this past December that we finally got it assembled. Okay. Uh, so what we've got going on here, this is the Kentucky Peerless Series One. Mm -hmm. So a uh, little background on how I came up with this. When we first started, we made a very uh, unique decision within the modern uh, landscape of whiskey to actually make our own juice. Uh, I, I can't, that, that can't be overstated. We make our own product. Yeah. In a time when people were, were sourcing and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. It's common yeah. practice. It's, uh, there's, in my opinion, nothing wrong with that. As long as you're transparent with your people, sure. uh, that's a whole nother podcast, whole nother blog or whatever we're doing this on. It's a whole lot of other things. Yeah. Yes. A lot of things. But with our focus on sweet mash or, uh, low barrel entry proof or distillation process, all these things made it impossible for us to go out and source. We didn't want to do it. And the added uniqueness of our product made it impractical. Mm -hmm. So when we first started, we didn't have any whiskey to sell. There was no uh, six-month-old whiskey that we wanted to push out the door or new make or anything like that. Uh, so when people would come and tour, people would come and visit, naturally there was nothing for them to really taste as far as what our whiskey would be becoming. Mm -hmm. And so I, I came up with this idea that I pitched to Carson and Corky called the Series 1 where we would show them the whiskey as it matures. Uh, so they understood, yes, this is a six-month-old product. It's not going to taste like a five-year-old. We're not trying to make it taste like a five-year-old. We're not doing any gimmicks or rapid aging or anything like that. But instead, 
if you can appreciate how this whiskey matures, you'll be able to see where we were and where we're going. Mm -hmm. uh, so we came up with this collection. Uh, there's only 300 of them available. And we start with new make. It, day was distilled. Uh, next day went into the bottle. Uh, then we set the other uh, barrels on the rick. And as they matured, we'd pull them down. Uh, this is all the same distillation, all the same batch of barrels. Uh, everything was meant to be as identical as possible. That way you can really dissect and see how the whiskey matures. Uh, so uh, again, all one batch, distilled all in one day. Uh, these were all put in the barrels, and this one went into the bottle right off the bat. At okay. six months, we pulled this one down, one year, two year, three year, and so on. Same barrel? Uh, different barrels. Different barrels? Uh, same batch of barrels. Same batch of barrels. So yeah. Now I remember, I remember when you all first uh, you know, started putting out aged product, you guys gave me one of these and this is in you and there was a couple of them yeah. uh so you've been you've actually been doing something like this for a while but this is the first time you've had the entire the uh, whole flight the whole flight and the, the oldest is what, five now? years five years in one day man that's uh so it, it a actually lot, has a, a beautiful, lot of age for uh for peerless that's amazing it, it's a beautiful gradient because you can really see where and how and when it really picks up the color and uh all right you ready to just taste it? Yeah, let's just listen, jump into it. Let's, it's enough talking. Let's let's do some tasting. Okay. So you start you start there. Do we? Uh, and I'll start. Was, yeah. Let's, what do you think? I was gonna say you want to pour one at a time, or how do you want to go about this? I'll I'll what you go. You know yours, and I'll I'll go this way. And then yeah. You got longer arms in addition to hair. You got more arms than I do. I don't think I have more arms. You got long, if you have longer arms, you technically have more arms. This is a factual statement. This is this is straight out of science. Actually, this is kind of kind of an interesting little thing we got going on here. This could be like a you know, this could be like synchronized could, pours. Synchronized pouring, but this could also be like like something you do at nightclubs. You know, so this could be like a whole Vegas strip thing. grab the last one so new make what and, and re refresh my memory what's the mash bill on this sneaky sneaky <laughs> uh no uh so i, I so would some... love to share it i like it, it pains me to have these numbers like at the ready that i can't just divulge oh um but i you'd can't get in, you'd get in trouble if you shared them i would yeah. i don't think they would get rid of me but we would have a stern talking to i don't think anybody wants that no at this stage you know, you're kind of looking for flaws, right? You know, yeah. And there's no, you know, it, it smells clean. There's no flaws to it. it has like a little butter popcorn character to it. Yeah, you know, I was going to say popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. Now, most noticeably absent here is that classic sour mash note. And that's really why we went for the sure. sweet mashing technique. Yeah. Uh, as you know, we were trying to sell right out of the gate. Well, it's not that. It's uh, what it allows us to do in distillation. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have the traditional sour mash note, when you go to distill it, you have to clean it up a little bit because it can be overpowering. Mm -hmm. So rather than having to distill it a higher proof, clean it up and stripping out a lot of grain character and other things, by avoiding that note altogether, now we can distill it at a very low proof, be extremely aggressive, pulling in those butters, the caramels, all those things that you can mm -hmm. get in a new make right off the steel. Mm -hmm. So sweet mash is not just about the flavors created in the fermentation process, but what it allows you to do at each step down the line. You know, I want to, I'm beginning, I'm, I'm beginning this voyage, Caleb, of um, everything I do, somehow tying it to music. Okay. And like, anytime I taste something, anytime I see something, like in my head, I'm just going straight to a song or I'm going straight to a moment in a live concert when you're some, 
you know, I crave music all the time because okay. it's been taken away from us, right? Uh, this is a little bit of picking on the porch, a little banjo, you know, okay. some some um, um, some just good old fashioned bluegrass, you know. Okay, I like that. Like to me. It is very grassy. There are a lot of those same notes. Uh, music and taste are both two of the most powerful sensations that trigger memories and sensations where you're at. Absolutely. So you going right to that, uh, I don't quite have as much of a musical undertone to mind, but uh, the visuals, the heat, the sun, the dirt, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's mm. tasty. So yeah. And 107 uh, proof. 107 proof. Yeah. Uh, this was what we went to the barrel at. Now, everyone from here forward is going to have slight variances, differences, uh, because as it matures, it's going to gain some water, lose some water, uh, gain some alcohol, lose some alcohol, mm -hmm. as far as the percentages, the proofs, and everything down the line. Sure. But overall, it's a, it's a good new make. It's not supposed to taste like a finished whiskey. It's not going to be like it's finished bourbon, but this mm -hmm. allowed us mm -hmm. to give something to our consumers to allow them to kind of join us on this journey. Sure. Ready to go to six months? Let's do it. So at this point, we've had the first impression of the barrel. Uh, a lot of people who I've spoke with I about... I spilled half of it on me. I went to my nose and down, boom, splash. Gotcha. So for a lot of people, the first impression they get when they taste a young whiskey that has been in the barrel is often negative. Often it takes a step back before those notes, those flavors, uh, begin to turn into their more palatable, flavorful variants. I, yeah, I typically agree with that. Like you get too much of the charcoal on that first pull. And yeah, this is very astringent. It leads good. Like if I, we, uh, when we're describing it, myself and Nick Clee and John Wadle, our single barrel mm -hmm. curator, uh, kind of our internal panel, uh, generally we break things down into quarters. Uh, so first quarter is actually pretty pleasant. It has a nice little sweetness. It has a little sure. bit of barrel character. But then it goes to like this burnt match, uh, burnt chocolate, things that just haven't really worked out yet. Yeah, but this, again, this, this is very, one. This yeah, isn't this, supposed to be some glamorized version of this Fairlight is for Agent. you. This, this is, is honest. This is your effort to uh, learn how the process as it's going. Yeah, so that's what this is meant to do. But I certainly, I would certainly encourage you not to bottle that. No, another in, in no other way. <laughs> and when you, whenever you see other whiskeys come out that are at a young age, uh, there are things that can be done. Sure. But Mother Nature ultimately is going to have her thumb on the pulse of when it is going to be ready. Now, what do you think about rapid aging? Because rapid aging is, I mean, that's becoming uh, really popular right now. It's its taking off in ways, in circles that we didn't see before. Like you've got like David Jeter coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, I just had someone on my podcast, Bill Fay, the executive producer of uh, uh, The Hangover. He's got a new technology out that, you know, it's basically uh, electronic um, electronic filtration. So you have all these methods that are coming out that are meant to make that taste older than it is. It's not my preference. Uh, I, I, like you said, goody two shares earlier, I won't say anything bad about other people, but uh, I'll say that I never remotely considered any of those practices here at Peerless. Diplomatic enough? Hey, that's for me. One year. One year, here we go. Now we're getting into the Now we've stopped statement. taking steps back. We're starting to start and climbing. And it can be... It can be classified as Kentucky bourbon now. There's a law in the books because it cannot be Kentucky bourbon in the Commonwealth of Kentucky mm -hmm. unless it's one year old in one day. Nice. Aged, so. so the six month was at 107 proof. This one actually, this particular barrel actually lost some proof. This, this was 106.2. 106 okay. Yeah. All right, that's edged out a little bit, but there's now, there's like for me, like there's like... um. It's edged out, but now that, that grain kind of comes in underneath. Like, this is drinkable. 
Is Still it not up. where it needs to be, though. Not, not where it needs to be, but, you know, you can drink that in a pinch, and it's going to be better than a lot of things on the shelf. Like in that, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, you know, craft whiskey is a category mm -hmm. where we have a conversation all the time about, mm -hmm. and, like, it's not... There are some great craft distillers, and then there are a lot in, in, in a process, mm -hmm. finding their distilling legs, if you will. And there are a lot of bad whiskeys on the shelf today, a lot of bad whiskeys. And unfortunately, a lot of those are tied to craft distillers. And it's not because they're experimenting or anything. It's just bad distillation or bad fermentation mm -hmm. uh, or pulling it too quickly, or they got shoddy cooperage, whatever it is, yeah. but it's just not palatable. And I would, you know, and it's like, so it's encouraging to see what that is, you know, at a year right age. Now. Yeah. So that's, that's very encouraging. And these weren't barrels that were pre-screened. They weren't, this was just a true cross-section of Peerless's aging inventory. So it's nothing where we were able, even able to uh, uh, go through and say mm -hmm. like, Ooh, this one's a single barrel quality barrel at this phase. Cause every one of these are single barrels. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to see where it's going. Cause again, we've laid a good foundation. The new make was good. The uh, six months. Eh. Um, yeah. It's turning the corner. Let's see where we get at two years. So this okay. will be the largest age gap to date. This one's actually climbed to 108.3. Okay, smelling a little butter on there. Also getting some wood. I didn't get a lot of wood on that uh, year old. Now the wood is starting to come out. Some, like that whiskey's gone a little deeper into that mm -hmm. stave. and it's, Had a little better extraction. It's getting some extraction for sure. Yeah. That wood is prominent. If I'm tasting that and I'm on the barrel line, I'm like, all right, we're not ready to bottle this. That wood's working. Yes. You know it's working. I'm looking forward to seeing what that next round is to see what it's doing. Yeah, it's... Uh, but this is this is astringent. This is very oaky. It's too in your face. It, yeah. It's, oh, now I want to say over oak because often over oak is associated with age. Yeah. Uh, no, where this, it this went is, too long. This is green oak. This yeah. is like... This is like uh, grabbing... Uh, grabbing some uh, pecan shells or walnut shells after they had been fresh, after they had been peeled off too early. That's a good descriptor. And like you you throw them on there, you know, that's what these are. These are not, um, these are portions of the yolk, but not yeah. all the way in. So this is that top line kind of green oak. But that oak's job is to turn into some beautiful things later on. So that we're going to- They're precursors yeah, to where they need to be. They're precursors, exactly. So you're tasting a two-year-old and you're not getting that particular wood note, mm -hmm. you're getting charcoal. Yeah. Uh, then you think to yourself, boy, this can go either way. But if you're getting like these kind of like astringent uh, walnut shell notes, yeah, you know, then you know the the wood. You're it's at that top level of the wood. It's going to get deeper into that barrel. Mm -hmm. Let's see where it is now at year three. Now we should really be making a shift. And there it is. There it is. It's there. You don't smell that already. That uh, that kind of like wood note right off the top is gone. Mm -hmm. So here we go. This is a phase where, uh, in my experience with our other products, I, I can't remember my tasting notes off cuff for this one, uh, where we start to really grasp some a little bits of citrus, little bits of mm -hmm. cedar, little bits of uh, uh, kind of this smoky molasses character. All right, so that wood note has kind of graduated to that smoke that you had mentioned. Yep. There's a little bit underneath it, but to me, it's not that it's flat. It's just like, it's like you're tasting this and you're like, I want more. I know there's more to this. Yes. You know, it's not, it's not there. It's like, 
It's drinkable. Um, it's it's pro I think I might actually like, you know, if I'm doing a comparative, I think I really like the one-year-old. Mm -hmm. And again, these are different barrels. They mature at slightly different rates. Oh, no. No, the three-year-old. Well, we, we started if you're giving into the spectrum and are yeah. building into it. Uh, once you taste up here, you can go back down the chain and really see what's yeah, lacking. Yeah, that, that's, that's amazing because like my my, mem my memory was so fond of the one-year-old. And going back to it after the three-year-old, it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's not it's not in the same league. But the three-year-old is like, there's a touch of honey there. Yep. Uh, there's a kind of undercurrent of spice and some smoke. And it's like, all right, we got something. We got something here. Um like you said, yeah, these are dance. precursors. Uh, uh, some of the stringent grassiness, some mm -hmm. of the uh, the grains that are a little bit, I don't want to say foul, but they're just too raw. They're not refined. They're Speaking not... of foul, what's the grossest thing you've ever smelled in a whiskey? When someone really, really gets greedy and misses a tail's cut, it's terrible, especially yeah. if they had a messy fermentation. Uh, you were talking about craft distillers. Anytime someone... Uh, is in a situation where I can get more if I cut more into the whiskey and they maybe for whatever reason they don't know better or maybe they're in a financial situation where they need every drop of that to steal it. Mm -hmm. uh, those are times where I see people getting a little too greedy and that's when a cut really gets missed and it gets just, it's terrible. Oh, wow. So I, well, have, I mean, you, you grade a lot of craft yeah, whiskeys. I, I have I, to imagine you see a ton of uh, tails cuts well, being missed. But I also, I also see bad stuff in the big distillers too. Listen, uh, the big distillers, you know, they have some some brands they're blending shit off in mm -hmm. that ain't nobody in our league should be drinking. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I'll tell you that, you know, column distilling gets this kind of a pass because it's continuous, and you're like, oh, we'll just run it through again. Man, sometimes bad fermentation just leads to bad distillate over and over and over again. Well, and it, even with a column, so if you run it too fast you're not having any separation then. Uh, when I'm, I was speaking in terms of uh, pot distillation earlier with the yeah. tails cut, you have to do the same cuts on a column. It's just mm -hmm. a lot more mm -hmm. uh, uh, temperature based. Right. Well, if you run the column too fast, if you get greedy, if you're trying to harvest every bit of the heads, every bit of the tails, you don't really have that separation that you need. And it can lead to some very foul product. I, I will say I have tasted some column distilled product that has just been terrible. Yeah, I think there's I think there's this oversightness that it's it's just the pot still, but no, it's column stills can lead to the, the earthly dead cat smell. Now we're at five years. Uh, I can't really see the proof on that. One ten one. They're turned uh, slightly toward you, so. Now, four years of age, four years today, this is the youngest that we'd ever consider dumping a barrel of bourbon for Kentucky Peerless. Mm -hmm. I will say the majority of product at this age, we do put back for longer aging. Uh, if we taste something, we're like, okay, this is really good. Sure, we'll work it into the mix. But generally, we push it several months or even years beyond this. Okay. Yeah, this is... Uh... It's bright. It's um, got a little butterscotch there to it. But I also know your rye so well. Mm -hmm. And I, I have this dirty habit of comparing your bourbon to your rye. Oh, that's unfair, man. That's we so, make really good rye. You make great rye. And rye matures quicker. It does. It, it, and it, there's like a mouthfeel in your rye that I'm always seeking in your bourbon. Mm -hmm. 
and maybe this is a conversation for us to have now, but I get this incredible oiliness and like this, like uh, just like dripping down my palate and underneath my side, just oil uh -huh. of your rye at this age. Why don't I get that on the bourbon? I assume it has to do with the mash bill, which I can't share with you. Oh, son uh, of a gun. See, that, that was another setup. I was just I trying know. to, you know, I'm mean, like, you're I'm getting so it. good at these setups. And I just, okay, I okay, can't okay. give it to you. Um, anytime you're dealing with the, uh, the quote-unquote flavor grains, uh, in bourbon, corn is a great base. It serves as the engine. It really pushes things along. But you know how much more potent the rye and the barley, or if you were to go to a, a weeded whiskey, the wheat, mm. uh, those other grains have just such a bang for their buck as far as the amount of flavor they contribute. Where do you get your rye from? Uh, Consolidated Grain and Barge. Uh, okay. right over, it's about eight minutes away from the distillery uh, right here in West Louisville. Uh, but they source, I believe, 95% of their rye from the Ohio River Valley region. So it's as local as possible for us. Okay. But yeah, um, when you're dealing with rye whiskey, having that base of that more pungent, potent, stronger grain, mm -hmm. I have a feeling that uh, that's where you're getting that added heft. Oh, man. I think I think a lot of it, like so many people struggle with fermenting rye because mm -hmm. uh, it foams over and they have to throw in enzymes and you guys don't use enzymes. And, and, uh, and so you do a lot of things that... We're going to... Real quick. Uh, so I won't tell lies. I, I will not lie for anything. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can't uh, set by that statement and not All say right. something. We uh, we do utilize some enzymes, but it's actually to maximize okay. uh, the barley. Uh, All right. So traditionally, if you use, and I don't know if this is cutting in or out, that's between you and Cordell. Uh, traditionally, when you're doing a uh, old school whiskey, uh, you would take a piece of your malt and you use it on the front end as a pre-malt. Uh, what this does is that alpha amylase keeps things thin. It helps start that conversion and allows you to actually start converting some of that starch into sugar on its way up. Mm -hmm. uh, this keeps it nice, liquidy. It makes the process flow very well. But um, when you're dealing with barley, it's very sensitive as far as its flavor contributions. If you get it too hot, it kind of fades away. It kind of falls into the background. Well, we want to maximize every drop of that barley as far as contributing to the final flavor of a product. So we do use a slight amount of alpha amylase on the front end to replace that contribution. It still makes the process run very well, but then when we add our barley on the final side, after we've hit our peak heat, uh, it really maximizes its flavor contribution. Sorry. Sorry for the detour. You That's can work good. that out with Cordell. Um, but yeah, so we do use enzymes. You do use enzymes. Yep. All right. Yeah. So to glass number five, the five-year-old. The finale. And again, finale. here we go. This is just a standard five-year, one-day barrel off of the rig. 110.3 proof. Now, was this it? these were all aged here, or did yes. it, were some in Henderson County? All aged uh, here? All on site. Okay. Get, oddly, I'm getting a, it's like a rhubarb in here. I was going to say, it's got some uh, dark fruit characteristic, almost as if it's uh, like a reduction. A or... hint of uh, licorice? Yep. I was going to say it was like a fruit bitter. I never get licorice in your stuff. Hmm. Wow. That's popping on the palate. So now so many of the things that we saw as precursors down here, mm -hmm. they're really coming into their own. Um, that oakiness that early on was, like you said, green, astringent. Mm -hmm. Now it's like that smoldering log on the fire. Uh, that graininess now is kind of taking a step back. It has that mouthfeel, like you said, that drip, that heft. Uh, fruit notes that were completely MIA in the early years are now becoming prominent. It's really fun to see how, again, it's all the same juice. Uh, slightly different barrels with the same aging conditions. 
It's just age. It takes time for you to be able to build it. Even has a nice little tobacco to it. Well, it doesn't suck. That is a powerful compliment. I'm excited to see where this goes, you know, even further. Yeah. As it is now, you know, it's definitely complete. You know, it's, it's hitting front, back, middle, tip of the palate, just a little bit on my right side, on, the, on my right, you know, kind of right side of my mouth to the cheek. But um, yeah. this has, is... It has good movement on the palate. It tastes, it tastes, it tastes lovely. But it, to me, it's not. This story is not over, you know. And it, you know, five years old is a is a great age to accomplish. But I'm excited to see where this is at eight. Me too. You know? And and that wasn't the uh, the intent of this wasn't to say five year whiskey is as far as we're going. This is the finished end all product. Sure. This was an experience. This was an yeah. experiment for people to be able to see where we started and where we've got to so far. I'm not even going to say where we're going, mm -hmm. but where we've got to so far. So I absolutely look for you to see the same jumps that we saw between three and four and five when we go to six, when we go to seven. Um, but the sheer fact that everything we do is within these four walls means we can't just go out and buy some 10-year-old peerless somewhere because it doesn't exist. Yet. Yet. One day. Yeah. Five if, years from now. If you're watching this video in the future, I got you. If you're watching it in the year 2026, yes, we have 10-year-old peerless. But, but yeah. Fun experiment, right? It's a great experiment, and uh, I'd actually like to see more distillers do something like this if, if they have the ability to do so. Uh, I've seen, you know, Maker's Mark play with it, uh, did something similar with this, like a Buffalo Trace, you know, but you here are testing the aging. Will you be doing any other types of tests, like different grain swap outs, different yeast, or different uh, mash bills? I do have another mash bill in the works. Uh, I'm very excited with where it's going. Um, is it You're really going to like it. Is it wheat? No, not wheat. Uh, high rye. High rye? Okay. Yes. So that's to tell us that this has sip, you know, equal parts rye and barley. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> the journey continues. But I will say the next one, uh, I don't think we're near on it yet. I want to wait until we get it right where we want it. Awesome. Uh, even the preliminary samples, preliminary tests, uh, we're very confident that it's a uh, bourbon that Fred Minnick is going to approve of. Yeah. He will say it does not suck. Mm. <laughs> well, it's, I'm going to do a, a little taste off between the three-year-old, four-year-old, and five-year-old. Because anything below that would be inhumane. Right. You want to do it too? Well, you got well, plenty? Yeah. I've, I've got to drive right after this. I've got uh, smaller sips on the palate. Are you not joining us for lunch? No, I've got a... I'm actually going to... Uh, uh, start the journey of uh, land ownership. What? Yeah. Uh, we are uh, getting a small little uh, craft farm out in uh, Oldham County. I know. You'll be my neighbor. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, if Hannah takes the back way to and from work, she'll be driving right by you all. That's awesome. I really like the three-year-old. I really like the four-year-old. I really like the five-year-old. Um, that's a tough one. I'd have to I'd have to do this blind to to tell you, but I'm I probably lean toward the four-year-old just a touch, but maybe. Yeah. But I think that's kind of where it was. It had a little bit of like a burnt marshmallow quality yeah. to it. And it's not better or worse, it's just different. Yeah. 
And that is one thing I would like to say about this. I was extraordinarily nervous about this whole thing mm-hmm. because it uh, it's a tall order to just call your shot, to just put a barrel on a rig and say, I'm going to bottle that as a uh, single barrel. Yeah. Because when we go through and we taste, um, generally right now about half of the barrels we go through and we taste, we put them back on the shelf. We let them age longer. They don't all taste good. Well, it's not that they don't taste good. It's that they don't taste good yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we went through in these early years, there are things that are going to become better. Uh, maybe the barrel hasn't reached its potential yet. Maybe there's still something that's uh, lingering behind that's not quite what we want it to be. So we let it age longer. But with this, we didn't have that luxury. We had to paint this transparent picture of this is what the barrels taste like at this age. So yeah, there are some things in here that uh, if I had to complete uh, freedom to pick any barrel from the rig, you never would have saw that green note in the three-year-old. I would have found one that didn't have it. But again, this wasn't about picking the best barrels from all around the rig house to try to showcase some inflated sense of quality at these ages. We just wanted to show something that was true, something that was honest to this batch followed through its aging. It's like reality television in a flight of whiskey. So this much is true, which is a 19, you know, like a 1980 song. Uh, Cheers to... uh... Number four, the four-year-old, 110.1 proof. It's just got a little layer in there that five is is lost, and it's on that next cycle. You know, whiskey goes in cycles. Yeah. You know, it's in cycles, and it seems to me like um, yours might be in a cycle of three. Like the one-year-old, you could see the most prominence, mm-hmm. uh, and then the four-year-old, you could see the most prominence. You know, five was delicious, three was delicious. So I'm wondering... If that next cycle for for these peerless barrels is at seven years old. I'm excited to get there. Yeah, let's do that. Well, Caleb, it's always a pleasure to have you. No, you know, I just took a sip, but it's always a pleasure to have you, my friend. And, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, be safe, man. I know you just got married. Marriage is a beautiful thing. If I can tell you, give you one piece of advice about marriage is that, you know, there's a lot of joking that goes on and that, you know, we're never right and, the wife's always right, correct and all that. You know, there's there's a semblance of that that is that is accurate, but it's it's more about communication, like talking mm-hmm. and always having like a constant dialogue. My wife and I, we joke and talk about everything. And like if she's not talking or I'm not talking, we both know. You know, we're just like on each other, like like everything okay. Like and it's about space, and sometimes you know you need your space, and you know it's. But like that that we used to do a lot of like marriage. Uh, not marriage counseling, but we, we used to give talks at marriages, uh, marriage retreats and stuff like that. And we don't do it anymore since we had kids. But it's it's communication is so, so, so important. It's so important for marriage. But I will let that go for another time. It's so It was so great, uh, you know, seeing you, hanging out with you. And uh, I know you got a bright future ahead and there's so many great things ahead. And uh, Cheers to you and thanks for coming on, as always. Hey, it takes great friendships and you've been amazing to me. I mean... Uh, uh, not just an editorial sense, just the small interactions, the what do you taste here, the what do you get there, and piece of advice. I mean, it, uh, if this is uh, the title of the series, The Fred's Friends, it's never been truer. Thank you. Oh, right on, man. Cheers, brother. Cheers. And cheers to you all. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to see more, make sure uh, you search for more and click subscribe and all that good stuff. But uh, be safe out there. And remember, vodka sucks unless it's being made for hand sanitizer. You don't make vodka, right? Nope. You're never going to make vodka. Because vodka sucks. Why would you make vodka? It's a wider shade of paint. I don't like vodka. It's like, so it's, it's awful. It's like, you drink in a parking lot if you need it. That's, a, that's about it. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Be safe out there, everybody. Cheers. Yeah, I really like four.